Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We are grateful to God for His mercies. Thank you, Lord. Alright, before we get into today's word, what, what did we talk about last Sunday? Who can remind me what we talked about last Sunday? The Great Commission in the Old Testament. We didn't talk about the Great Commission. We talked about the Great Commission where? In the Old Testament. And what did we say is the Great Commission in the Old Testament? The blessing of Abraham. So we were able to find out from the scriptures that the blessing of Abraham uh, has nothing to do with cars. Praise God. Has nothing to do with forex. Or Binance or Bitcoin. Praise God. That the blessing of Abraham is what? Salvation, Because the Bible says, Through you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. It, is, it wasn't that through you shall all the families of the earth have food. The blessing was the salvation that would come from the seed of Abraham. So when we sing, My hands are blessed, my hands are blessed. Those the blessings of God. Right? Or Abraham's blessings are mine. Huh? What do you think you're singing about? Salvation. Right. Are we clear on that? You know this has nothing to do with not believing in material prosperity, right? And this is what I always tell people. The Bible talks about material prosperity. It talks about increase. But don't use scriptures that don't talk about increase to teach increase. That's misappropriation of scripture. That's what the devil does. You know that's what the devil did when he tempted Jesus? He quoted scriptures but quoted it out of context. When you take a scripture out of context, you'll never get the meaning of it. So Abraham's blessings was actually the great commission. That's why the scripture says that the gospel was first preached to Abraham. And so when he believed, he was counted righteous. Are you following that now? So the Bible now calls us the seed of Abraham. Alright, so I think we're clear on that Alright, so we're going to pick up from there And, and get into the Great Commission In the New Testament Alright, let's pray, let's get into the Word Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach Thank you because your people are anointed to receive And to get our faith is built up In the knowledge of the person of Jesus I pray that light and understanding will come forth in And through your Word, in Jesus' mighty name Let's go to Acts chapter 3 Let's pick up from there Acts chapter 3 and verse 25 so that we establish that if you were not here on Sunday, so we'll just pick up from there and run into the New Testament. So in Acts chapter 3 and verse 25, it says, It is you who are the sons of the prophets, we're speaking to the Jews, and of the covenant which God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, remember, we traced this verse, this particular line when it says, And in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We realize that this, this phrase, In your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed, was consistent when God spoke to Abraham, when God spoke to Isaac, when God spoke to what? To Jacob. This line, this particular line was consistent. And uh, the book of Acts refers to this as the covenant. That in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Praise the name of the Lord. Verse 26, for you first. When he says for you first, pay attention to this. It means that salvation was to, <coughs> excuse me, salvation was to come to the Gentiles first. Sorry, the Jews. Before it gets to the Gentiles. That is why in John chapter 1 verse 11, 12 and 13, the Bible says he came to his own. But his own did not receive him. <clears throat> Praise God. But as many as received him, he gave the power. That word power there, I've always told you, is the word exousia. There are two Greek words used for power. One is dunamis, which means dynamic working power. Right? One is exousia, which means authority. Now, it's like if a policeman has a gun and he has a badge, the gun is dunamis. 
the badge is exousia. That means without the gun, he can still use the badge to do what? To stop a moving vehicle. And when the moving vehicle does not stop with exousia, what does he use? He will use dunamis. At that point, your will is not important. Are you following that? Now, what God gave us to become the sons of God is not just Holy Ghost power, it is the right. That means we are legally sons of God. John 1, 11, 12, and 13. So he says, for you first, God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. So, it defines what the blessing is. Pay attention to this. We must give biblical definition to biblical words blessing is not when somebody sneezes i bless you no that, that's not it that is good it's good it's good gentleman behavior but that's not the bible blessing are you following what i'm saying or you have a car and say well god has just blessed me with a car yeah it's okay but Blessing in the context of the scripture refers to you being turned from your wicked ways to God. That is why he says that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ in heavenly places. The ultimate meaning of that word is the fact that we are saved and we are in Christ. Are you following this? Right. Now, one of the reasons people do not take time to teach some of these things is because when you teach these things it almost seems as if you're anti-prosperity no, it's not being anti-prosperity it's actually allowing the scriptures to be loud where the scriptures is loud and being silent where the scripture is silent now I'll, I'll give you something that you must understand and never forget in the Old Testament the scripture was loud on material wealth as a proof that God had a relationship with people. So when God had a relationship with people, it reflected on their wealth. But in the New Testament, the Bible is silent on it because something greater had come. So in the New Testament, the Bible is loud on salvation. Not that people were poor. No. It was loud because the essence of everything scripture was talking about had come into perfection. Are you following this? So that's why when you read the New Testament, you don't find wealth as an emphasis. It's never an emphasis. It doesn't mean God is opposed to it. It just means that something higher and greater has come. And this is what the prophets and the angels were desiring to look into. Praise the name of the Lord. Go to Acts chapter 2 verse 37. Acts 2. 37. Now when they heard this, they were pressed to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Now Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39. For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are afar off. Now remember the first uh, book of Acts we read It says to you first Now Peter is saying the promise is to you And your children and those who are far off Who are those who are far off? Talking about us, the Gentiles Who are strangers to the covenant of what? Of promise Praise the name of the Lord Now And as many as the Lord our God Will call to himself Go to Ephesians 2 we read all the scriptures last Sunday. I'm just trying to build a case into what we're teaching today, just in case you weren't here. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. Remember that you were at that time, talking about us, separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise. Okay? Now, I need you to pay attention. I said, when you read the Bible, pay attention to details. Go back to verse, where are you? Who is in Ephesians 2 for there? Where's this media person? Verse 12, right? That's why you always have a Bible. Now, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. Now, pay attention to details, pay attention to that scripture. Strangers to the covenants, plural, covenants, alright, of promise. Not covenant of promises. Covenants of promise. 
The covenant was spread from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but it's one promise. So when you read the book of Galatians, you don't see the seeds of Abraham, but the seed of Abraham. You've got to pay attention to this. It's a covenant of promise. So there are not many promises. There's one promise. Are you there? Did you, did you see that? Pay attention because it's important for you to understand what the promise is. Okay. Having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Okay. Now, go now to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8. Go to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8. Let's look at verse 6. Even so, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Do you remember? That's what happens when you believe God now. It's counted to you. It's accredited to your account as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, talking about us, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying... Now, pay attention carefully to this. It says, it preached the gospel beforehand. What's the gospel? What's the word, what, what does the word gospel mean? Good news. Right? Okay. So, he preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. Remember, this gospel was what Peter referred to as the covenant. Praise God. So, actually... What God caught as covenant with Abraham was actually God preaching the gospel to him. So when Abraham believed that, it was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. Just as when you believe the saving message of Jesus today, you are counted righteous. Are you following this now? Alright, now, let's read verse 10 for... As many as of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law to perform them. Verse 11, Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. 13 and 14. Pay attention. Pay attention to details. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the Lord, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that, so verse 13 is so that we can participate in verse 14. So all of what we've read is in order that something will happen. That in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham and we know what the blessing of Abraham is we read in Genesis chapter 12 you shall all the seed of the uh, be blessed might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive what? the promise not promises we would receive what? the promise of what? of the spirit through what? through faith now if you have time and you study on you would realize that then the bible begins to well let's read it, let's read it. but then I speak in terms of human relations even though it's, it's only a man's covenant yet when it has been ratified no one set it aside or adds conditions to it verse 16 now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed he does not say unto seeds as referring to many, but rather to one and to your seed, that is what? Christ. So, if you go to verse 26, it says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, what is the promise of the Spirit? The promise of the Spirit is the fact that when we accept the gospel, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God and we can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
So if you go to chapter 4 and you read down what happens, Paul begins to explain this very carefully. Then if you read from verse 4 and verse 5 and verse 6, he says, Because your sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our heart, crying, Abba, Father. Verse 7, Therefore you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God. So you see that by referring to the blessing of Abraham, we're referring to that which God wants to do in all the nations of the earth. Receiving the promise of the Spirit. There were several promises that came to Abraham at several work of their life. Several journeys that they have. But there was one promise, which is that in him shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, which is what? The gospel. Now, you can write this down because of our time. You can write Isaiah chapter 49, verse 5 to 6. You can write Isaiah 49, 5 to 6. Talk about being a blessing to the nations. You can write Luke chapter 2, verse 32. The seed of Abraham, which is Jesus Christ, is like to the nations. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you still here? I didn't hear you. Are you still here? Alright. Uh, I want to read something to you here. So if you read Luke chapter 2, verse 32, uh, it refers to Jesus as the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he would reign through the house of Israel. You can write Isaiah 9, 2, Isaiah 42, 6, and Isaiah 49, 6. Luke 2, 32, Isaiah 9, 2, Isaiah 42, 6, and Isaiah 49, verse 6, referring to Christ as the light of the nations. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Now, now then, uh, from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible has a central message. There's one central message. The Bible is not a book of many things. It's a book of one thing. And the central message is that God's plan of redemption accomplished in Christ, and that's the message. There's a plan of redemption accomplished in Christ. So when we read Genesis to Revelation, we talked about that, Luke chapter 24, verse 24 and verse 44, that the Psalms, the prophets, and the law was talking about what? Jesus. And that's where, in our walk with God as Christians, especially within the charismatic circles, we've kind of missed it because we always go to the Bible for what we can get. Right? We don't go to the Bible so that the Bible will tell us what it is about. So it's more like, you know, you want house, God will give you. You want this, God will give you. So when we look at the scripture, we're looking for what we want as opposed to what the scripture is teaching. And that's why you see that we don't really find so much joy in studying the Old Testament. Because it doesn't really make meaning to us. You know, the places we like in the Old Testament is, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. And bless going out and bless coming in. You understand? We just just, just handpick those things. <laughs> but if we study the Bible, there's one central theme. There's one central story. Go to Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. Show you something about the life of Jesus. Why did Jesus come? I think I've did that. Uh, I've done that session a couple of times uh, here. You got to listen to that again and again. And that's why you need to feed yourself on these truths. Go back and go through them. Luke 19.10. And Luke 19.10. If you read the book of Luke chapter 19. Very interesting. I I probably have time to go through this. Uh, This was talking about Zacchaeus. Right? Remember the short man. Who saw climb the tree to see Jesus. How many of you remember him? Okay. There's something Jesus said. Okay. So you remember the story. So we can skip the story. Verse 8, Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possession I'll give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I'll give back four times as much. And I've always said this, when people truly get born again, it will reflect in their behavior. This issue of being born again, you keep saying you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and there is no difference between you and the guy who is not born again, something is wrong. You have not heard the gospel. You joined the church. You sign the card. Even this person in the Old Testament, Jesus did not tell him, do this. When you truly encounter God, you will renounce some of your ways. There are things you will just say, I can't do this anymore. Let's leave that. But let's go on now. 
Verse 9, Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. So, now pay attention to this. It is very important and I pray you get it. While Jesus was walking on these shores, no one actually received salvation except for those who were under the Jewish covenant in that sense. So that's why when he was telling disciples to preach, he says, go only to the lost house of Israel. They were the only ones entitled to receive the good news, even though they weren't born again. But when Jesus now died and resurrected, we were now included. That's why he says in the last day, I part of my spirit upon all flesh, he was talking about all kinds of people, not just the Jewish nation. Now because Zechariah was the son of Abraham, he was entitled to receive the good news. Now go on, and I'll say it's first 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is the central mission of Jesus. The central mission of Jesus must become the central mission of the church. Jesus did not establish the church to fulfill her own selfish mission. Jesus established the church to fulfill what? His mission. What's the mission of Jesus? You have traveled. What's the mission of Jesus? No, don't say to save and to seek. Just follow the Bible. It's there. The answer is there. You can't fail. What's the mission of Jesus? To seek. Now, it's important. It's important because the Great Commission starts with the word go. That's why you can't say to save and to seek. Don't, don't, no. Don't mix it up. It's to do what? To seek. I didn't hear you. To seek. To seek. And to save. That's why the Great Commission starts with the word go. If we are not going, we cannot save the lost. The lost and not to come to church. The saints are to go to the lost. So the, the mission of Jesus is to seek. To seek means to actively find. Praise God. And, and you know, we've turned it around, which is very interesting, but we turn it around. And so what we do right now is we, we try to make, you know, we, we call it seeker, seeker-friendly church, okay? So we try to make the church very comfortable for everybody, okay? So uh, where we've got Surya Night, you know, uh, we've got Valentine, uh, because if we don't do Valentine service, uh, people might go to the club, so we have Valentino Night. <laughs> and, and so what we say is, listen, what we say is when the people come, Hmm? We we'll ask them to come and eat suya, to eat barbecue. Then, as they are eating like you, boom, we'll hit them with the gospel. <laughs> okay, no problem. It looks good. Then the people come. And you serve them rice, serve them this thing, do your dance, everything. And a few minutes, you say, Jesus came to die for you. This suya you are eating is temporal. But you know, if you want to eat eternal suya, which is the bread of life. If you die now, where will you go to? As you are going home, if they can't hit you, where, do you want to give your life to Christ? With Suya in his mouth, the man says, Yes. I'll give your life to Christ. They are free your name, they are free your name, now you are born again. Did the man hear the gospel? I mean, six million people gave their life to Christ. The next day, the guy hears another church has. Just jeans. Eh? Casual Sunday. The guy throws in there casual again. And then the pastor preaches again. And maybe between then and now, the man has doubled his sin. He said, You die today. Ah! That guy will give his life to Christ multiple times. He hasn't heard. What happened? What Jesus taught us is to go and meet them where they are. And reach them with the gospel. This is not something to be done hurriedly. And when they come into the church, 
They don't see the church as a place of entertainment. They see the church as a place where they are established in doctrine. Are you following this? I'm not saying we can't, I hope you understand my heart. I'm not saying we can't have all of those things. But see, when we are doing those things, we should understand that the work is not finished. Because the Great Commission is not just about signing people's name to heaven. It's about discipling people. That's where I want us to go to. Because through the Great Commission, the families of the earth must be blessed. And that's what happened in the book of Acts. Chapter 4, when, the children, when, when they gave their life to Christ, when 3,000 accepted the Lord, the next thing that happened was that they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. They were devoted to teaching. They were devoted to training. The church of Jesus Christ is a place for education, for establishing men in doctrine and for training people. And because we want to make the church comfortable, we keep, you know, we keep tweaking things and keep tweaking things and keep tweaking. And so when people come into the church, they just feel we're joking. Christianity did not come to us on the platter of comfort. So we have to go. We don't sit here and change the whole DNA of our mission to suit people who are lost. No, that's not the essence of the church. We are trained here and we go out and get them. Are you following what I'm saying? Here is a training ground. You know, I've heard a, a very funny things. They look very nice, but not true. Say so the church is a hospital where all kind of sick people can come. Jesus never said that. Jesus never called the church a hospital. He, Jesus wasn't building hospitals. And, and what we do all the time is we try to tone down the church. Right? We try to tone it down and tone it down. And our mind is, as the more we tone it down, the more it's comfortable for people to come and join us. And because we're missing it. The great commission is not that people will come. The great commission is that we will do what? Hey, come on, come on, church. The great commission is that we will do what? We will go. So what we do here is to train so that we can go. We don't reduce the intensity of what we do in the church so that it's okay for people to come in. No, we keep the standards. We are trained. And then we do what? We go out and reach them. And do what? And bring them in. And train those people. And release them again. And get more people in. So if we're just comfortable with conferences and conventions and women meetings and all of that, and before you know you start, I mean, you start turning the house about all kinds of stuff, and then people come and say, we want to learn how to make bedsheets, we want to learn how to tie gilly, you know, uh, we want to learn how to play ball, we want to learn how to cut hair. And before you know, it is a multi-purpose center. It's not different from an NGO. So on Sunday we learn small Bible doctrine, on Tuesday we learn how to bake, on Wednesday we learn how to tie shoe, on Sunday we do tie and dye. And before you know, you say we don't want to, you are not here to create employment, you are here to teach about Jesus. I know it can be tricky, but if we're not careful, we will change the mission of the church totally, and instead of seeking and saving that which is lost, we'll just gather ourselves and have fun. Are you still here? Now, let's, let's, let's continue here. And this is important in understanding the Great Commission. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19. I'll show you something here. And after you realize that sometimes, you know, you teach for 30 minutes and you say, ah, people's attention span is low. They can't listen. <laughs> the attention span is high. It only gets low when they come to church. Hmm? Say, ah, 45 is okay, just 40 minutes, because then people will get tired. You're going to read the book of Nehemiah, The scriptures say they started reading the scriptures from the, from the morning until the evening, and children were there. Hmm? Say, reading the scriptures, just reading the Bible. Nobody was just reading scriptures. Reading scriptures. The last night before Paul went, <laughs> was about to die, he thought and thought and thought and thought all through the night, all night, teaching all night. Eh? The man fell down dead. The guy was listening to the word, listening to the word, listening to the word, sat by the window, sure he didn't want to sleep. The guy fell down dead. Paul went down, raised him, 
continue teaching. They didn't even allow him to share his testimony that when you die, did you go to heaven? Because his death was a distraction to what they were doing. I mean, I just, I, in my mind, it feel like they lost time. And they just want him. If you die again, we'll leave you. Now pay attention. And they keep, they didn't allow him to share his testimony. It was not on the first page of the Jerusalem news. Member fell dead. Pastor raised member. It wasn't, a, it wasn't an issue. The way we treat miracles in today's church is not the way they treated miracles in the... Miracles to them was not something so extraordinary that has to occupy the believers. It was something that accompanied them when they taught the word. Are you following what I'm saying? And Paul kept teaching. Nobody said, about Paul, you have taught until somebody died. That's what we're... No, they kept here. And you know why? Those people didn't have access to the Bible. They didn't have access to the Word. When they had opportunity to learn the Word, they wanted as much as they can. We, we need to restore that hunger again. That we love the Word. We hear the Word. We, we are so excited. Our heart is open to receive the teaching of the Word. We are not tired. That's how we can train strong Christians. And strong believers that will reach out to the whole world. Praise the name of the Lord. See what I'm going to chapter 5, verse 19. Let's look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. The old new things have come. Now, all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a what? Hey, come on, everybody, 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 loud and clear. What did God give to us? So every believer has got the ministry of reconciliation. Do you, know, do you know the good thing about church? We quote verse 17 and leave verse 18. Come on, what is in verse 17? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. How many of us say that all the time? I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Right? You don't say that. Are you old creature? Are you new creature in Christ? So what happened to verse 18? What about the ministry he gave you? What about the ministry he gave you? Can you see how selfish we are? All of us. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Therefore I lay hold. I receive my word by faith. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I receive my promotion by faith. And God says, go to the next verse. Goes, no, no, so let's stay here. God says, hey, I gave you something else. No, I'm, I'm righteous. Uh, do you understand? And God is saying, hey, hey, there's a ministry. You were a new creation because a ministry was given to you. And it's called the ministry of reconciliation. No, I'm not interested. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. We will dominate the world. We'll be head of Coca-Cola. We'll be head of IBM. We will tell them our Father has the world. Glory to God. I'm a new creation. Next verse is saying, no, shut up. I'm talking. He has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We not only have the ministry of reconciliation, we've got the message of reconciliation. That's what is committed to every child of God. And let me tell you, God will judge you whether you fulfill this ministry or not. Because every child of God ought to get someone saved. Every child of God ought to get someone discipled. This whole thing about life is not so much about us as opposed to being part of the Great Commission. You don't have to be a pastor to have the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation. If you are a new creature, you've got the ministry of reconciliation and you've got the word of reconciliation. It says God is reconciling the word to himself. Praise God. This is the message God has given to the church. That man be reconciled. Back to him. This should be our driving force. This should be our motivation. When we gather, this is what we should talk about all the time. How can we get more people reconciled to God? There's a lost word out there. 
This is the mandate and the message of reconciliation. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Now go to Matthew chapter 28. Come on, somebody say, I have the ministry of reconciliation. Say it one more time. Say, I have the ministry of reconciliation. Say, I have the word of reconciliation. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 16. And let me tell you, this issue of being silent about your faith is not godly. We can't, you see, except you don't believe the message you've received. Except you don't believe that people need to be born again. No, except you don't believe it. Except you don't believe that something happened to you when you became born again. If you, if you knew that you really encountered a change, your heart would be that everyone would hear this message. Everything in your life, God is only concerned about one thing. How you spread the message. Do you realize, when you stand before the Lord, the Lord will not ask you how well you did in your career. Huh? The Lord will not ask you for that. Because everything you're doing, everything in your life right now, ends on this airframe. You know when you stand before the Lord, you don't say, Hey, what's your name? Say, hello, I'm, I'm Jesus meets Dr. Maxwell. You think that's what's going to happen? Or, or God is judging you. Say, talk to me with respect. I'm an engineer. I went to Oxford. Right? Hmm? Or God's going to say, hey, what did you do with your life? Say, God, Jesus, you had to see my garage. Even you will be shocked. <laughs> hmm? Or you think you meet Jesus as a man. I was the best crypto trader in Nigeria. You think all of that? God's just going to ask you something. What did you do with your life? As concerned the message of reconciliation. What did you do? Winning souls. Hmm? Or you think when you stand before the Lord say, Man, God, I married the best woman in this world. If you had seen this woman, even Jesus, you would have thought of marrying. You think that's what Jesus is going to eh? Say, God, have you seen figure? My wife's got it. Now, all the things that excite us in this world does not excite heaven. Fantastic marriage, good home, powerful speakers, or maybe, I mean, stand for God and say, God, we built an auditorium. Was compared to the O2 Arena in London. Even comedians wanted to hire our arena for comedy. That's how much we impacted the world. All of those things. The only thing that makes heaven to rejoice, the scripture says, is that when a sinner gets born again. That's only what gives heaven joy. Salvation is what gives heaven joy. Everything else, every, as, lofty as, as lofty as it is, as beautiful as it is, as sweet, as much fun as we have, if we're not getting souls saved, we're not giving heaven joy. If we're not getting people born again, every believer should have someone you're actively discipling in the faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You should have someone you're training in the faith. Because I'm also going, Great Commission is not just soul winning, it's discipleship. So that believers are coming to what? Maturity. So that they are able to raise other believers. You know, it's interesting sometimes, right? When we talk about, we want to pray in church. Huh? Very, you know, we say, let's pray now. That anybody who, yeah, yeah, yeah. you see, pray a lot. Let's pray. Let it be open doors. Oh, door open. <laughs> and they say, let's pray. Let souls be saved. The volume will reduce. Hmm? Am I right? Or somebody comes up here, and you know that, I mean, you know, God has blessed us. We're not against prosperity. We're just putting things in perspective. I need to say this. Because I've heard many people say, I'm a poverty preacher. So, <laughs> but you know, if somebody comes up here and says, praise the Lord, after the last convention, you know, I just got this contract. It was like six million. Wow. 
You know, the whole church will boom. There's power here, grace here. So praise the Lord. I just gave birth. I was believing God for a child. We gave birth to four of them. Four bouncing baby. Two bouncing baby boys. Two girls that are not bouncing. <coughs> they would say, wow. But then someone say, you know, after last convention, you know, I got born again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh-huh. So... I said the testimony is not complete. You might say, yeah, I just came to thank God that I'm born again, so you yeah, are live there. Next. Because to us, uh-huh, uh-huh. So, after you are born again, something, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I was born again, and then I got a car. Completed. You can't be born again for nothing again. Do you understand that? So, for us, if there's nothing on the X-realm, then it's like we haven't. And then heaven judges by different standards. And the standard of heaven is it's fine to get the bouncing boys and the non-bouncing girls. It's fine to get a good house. It's fine. That's all. But what about the main commission? What about the reason Jesus came? What about the ministry of reconciliation? What about the lost souls out there who don't have an opportunity to hear the gospel? What are you doing about them? Are you concerned about the soul of others? That's heaven's rating. Glory to God. Somebody's still in this service. Matthew chapter 26. We're looking at the Great Commission. 28, verse 16. Thank you, Lord. But eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. <laughs> you know, uh, I've always told you this. Don't think that if Jesus were walking our day, you would have believed in him. Don't think so. Or you will not have betrayed Jesus. Don't think so. Or you will not have, you will not have walked away from Jesus. Don't think so. You remember feel if Jesus were to be my day. Mm. It's a lie. You still have, would have not come to church. Praise God. And let me let me warn you. Mm? This one is a caution. Let me warn you. All those people you listen to that they say they went to heaven, God gave them a message to come and preach. Let's throw those things away. They didn't go anywhere. God didn't give them any message. The gospel is not preached by formerly dead people. Jesus, you know, <laughs> rich man and the Lazarus, right? What did the rich man say? He said, send my brothers. He said, send somebody from here to go and warn them. What did Jesus say? He says, no, they have the prophets and they have the word. People are alive are the one designed to preach to people who are here. That's why when Peter, when the angel met with Peter, uh, met with Cornelius, Acts chapter 10, he says, send for Peter and he will preach to you the words of this life. He could have preached the gospel to him. Peter came and preached to him. That's why he said all those ministries don't last because they are based on experiences. And that's why somebody will say he went somewhere, he saw that they should not wear wig. He went somewhere, he saw somebody wearing trousers. I mean, when people die out of, you know, very, very bad accidents, you know, it, it, it happens. Something happens to the brain. And that affects them in the spirit world. And they start seeing all kinds of rubbish. Eh? They will not say, oh, I saw this big man of God in hell. It's not the gospel. Don't throw those things away. The gospel is explainable. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If I raise any person from the dead and say God gave him a message, I will salute his mouth. The message of the gospel is Genesis to Revelation. It is the written word above every experience. I can't be sure of what you saw. Because I don't know how you died. You might have been hungry and then, and then you died and then you went somewhere and said you just saw heaven. They were not serving people food. Any kind of food you want, they will just give you. You say burger. Burger will just appear. I mean, it's hunger. And then we promote these people in the pulpit. And I'm telling you. And these are some of the things that brings confusion to the body of Christ. Because even sometimes as ministers of the gospel, we don't know the word. The written word is what is given to us to preach the message. Not experiences. Are you following what I'm saying? Because somebody says, okay, what will I preach? When you go out to win souls, it's not about sharing your life. Your life can be a doorway to open the conversation, but there is a message to be preached. Have you heard? God can turn your mess into a message. Your mess is not the message. There is a message called the good news. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? We must be careful of that. Human experiences are not the, is not the gospel. There is the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that everybody has to be trained in and be confident in and be able to share. That is why the worst prostitute in the world or the worst arm robber in the world or the worst ritual killer in the world when he gets born again the next day if he's well trained he can go out and share the message of the kingdom it will be as valid as the man who has never sinned are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? it's not about your worst experience or your best experience it's about the saving knowledge of Jesus praise the name of the Lord when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. Verse 18. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, go therefore, and make disciples of all nations. He didn't just say, Go and preach. He says, Go and make disciples. That's why I didn't call this soul winning. I called it the Great Commission. The Great Commission means that we don't just leave people with the message, we ensure that they are disciples. Who is a disciple? A disciplined learner. Are you hearing this? A disciplined learner. The church would focus on discipleship. One of the things we missed in church hmm, is Sunday school. You know, we scraped it out because we didn't have much time. Hmm? But you know, Sunday school was an effective method of discipleship. Ask questions, answer, ask questions, answer. We start Sunday school. You discover people who are planning Sunday school time out. Say, Alpha. say no, 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 just relax. But they do Sunday school. So I say, say, our pastor comes up around some few minutes to eat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we do Sunday school. Yeah, we we'll just, we'll just plan it out. Say, now be asking me questions. Hey, what do you understand by this verse? Am I a small child? That's what I understand. <laughs> they would not give me mic in front of people to be talking. I'm looking at them in that church. I have deep understanding. They don't know. I just look at them. They don't be talking, talking, talking. Instead of your deep understanding, I've gotten you to. No, the church was actually designed to be a training place. That is why when, when Apollos came, you know, when Apollos came and was preaching, the Bible says he was eloquent. He knew the baptism of John. He was eloquent. He was preaching. Eloquent speaker. Priscilla and Aquila just told him, say, can we have lunch after? Guest speaker that came to the synagogue to preach. Guest speaker. Say, can we have lunch after service? And the man came. They gave him food. Then the scripture says, they expanded to him more accurately the way of the Lord. They were not leaders in the church. Just couples who had the business but were sound. Well trained. They explained to the guest speaker more accurately the way of the Lord. Eh? Your house can host birthday parties. It doesn't explain anything more accurately. If I what people knew as Christians before they entered your house, by the time they are done with your birthday party, you even reduce it. When you invite people for lunch, what's your conversation? What do you talk about? Philip went to Samaria, one of the deacons, and turned the whole of Samaria upside down. The Bible says he preached Christ to them and there was more joy in the city. He had to call the apostles to come and see what he had done. A deacon in church. What do deacons do today? Meeting upon meeting upon meeting upon meeting. I hear some deacons who are not born again will not bring their traditional meeting. Say this thing you are saying is true, but my grandfather told me something. I would like to put it to you people. <laughs> and then they just bring that time. They say, no, in our town's meeting, we are. And they say, this is church. They say, yes, church is from town. <laughs> people, people, I mean, we just, we just joke. Eh? And we fight over budget, fight over air condition, fight over boss. And all we are just doing is about the money and the thing. And souls are perishing. You know, we have a responsibility to take the gospel of Jesus to all the nations of the earth. Listen, not just to preach it, but to do what? Make disciples. I want to emphasize that. Make disciples. Disciplined learners. 
Okay? Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I won't have time to teach you about this, but baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit does not necessarily mean shoot them inside water. The word baptize means to immerse, which means immerse them in the nature of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. The scripture says in the book of Corinthians that the, most, that, that the children of Israel were baptized into Moses. Baptized into Moses did not mean Moses dipped them in water. No. They were baptized in the teachings of Moses. The law. So baptism is not just water out. No. Baptism is making sure that you immerse these people in the doctrine of Christ. The word name is always used in reference to nature. In the nature of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'll talk to you about that when I'm teaching on baptism. 20. Teaching them, teaching them, this is the great commission, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the day. So you see the great commission says, go, baptize, teach them. Go. It's active. It's an active commission. There's nothing in the great commission that says we should sit. It's teaching. It's teaching. And how can we get that done is when everybody is well taught. So as you go out between Monday to Sunday, you should be actively getting someone saved, actively teaching someone the scriptures. That's how we fulfill the Great Commission. We're not just going to do it with crusades. Fantastic. But we're not just going to do it with that. Because people need to be discipled. Let's look at um, Mark's rendering of that. Mark 16. We'll just read all the rendering of the apostles. Mark 16. Um... How much time do I have here? Mark 16. Are you, are you learning something? Mark 16, 15 and 18. Verse 14. After what he appeared to the 11 disciples as they were reclining at the table. And you realize this, right? You realize this, that these were the last words of Jesus. This was his last wish. This was his last command. This was the final instructions he gave before leaving the earth. If God gives us, if Jesus gave us final words before he left the earth, we should pay attention to those words. It means they matter a lot to him. Hallelujah. He says, afterward, he appeared to the eleven disciples as they were reclining at the table and reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. <laughs> and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed in my name, they'll cast out demons, and they'll speak with new tongues, and all of that. Go to verse 20. And they went out, and they went out, and preached everywhere, while the Lord walked with them, and confirmed the word by signs that followed. When they heard the great commission, they didn't sit down, they went out. They went out. The Great Commission is outside the four walls of the building. There is a going out that we all need to go out. This is not for the pastor. It's for all those who believe. You have to check your life in line with the Great Commission. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Have to check your finances in, in line with the Great Commission. Are you actively committed towards giving to the spread of the gospel? Or you're giving crumbs to the gospel and focus so much on personal projects? Even as churches, are we just focused on using the money we've got for ourselves? Or we're focused on taking that money and using it to reach many more? And that's why I said to you before, there's nothing wrong with it. But we must be careful of the welfare gospel that is spreading everywhere. Where we think the responsibility of the church is to give food and give clothing and pay house rent. It looks fantastic. It looks good. The world will applaud us. But listen, if those people were feeding and paying their house rent and buying clothes for and not born again, we're just making sinners fat. We're making them healthy and clothed on their way to hell. We're making sure they are well dressed. Say, hey boy, you're going to hell? Say, yeah, we'll get you shoes. Say, hey, you're going to hell? Say, yeah, we'll make sure you're going to hell not hungry. Hey, are you on your way to hell? Say, yes, we will make sure your house rent is covered all the days of your life. On your way to hell, you won't bother about rent. Just go. Safe sale. Because I'll tell you the truth. Eh? I'll tell you. If I was hungry and you were giving me food every day, you know, I say, this food. He will give it to you by the church because Jesus Christ, will you want to receive the Lord? Oh, 
Do I have received? It's good we do all those things. I hope you understand my heart. We do those things here as a ministry. But listen, that's not the gospel. That's not making disciples. Because you know what will happen? The day that food stops coming. Eh? And another religion decides to be feeding them. What will happen? But you are still here. Say, food's not finished. You say, this. People say, ah, to receive this one, you have to spread. Say, we have spread already. Bring food. And you know, you know Jesus, you know, people say that all the time, but I mean, it's sometimes they say, oh, Jesus fed people, fed 5,000 when they were hungry. He fed them after three days of them listening to the word. He said, they have been with us for three days, hearing teaching, three days, hearing teaching, three, ah, Jesus said, three days. Imagine going to a conference, three days, no food. They thought they just multiply food. Then the next day, the scripture said they went, <laughs> ah, food. The scripture said they went ahead of Jesus. How many days see money to charter boats? You don't know what food will people will mobilize. How much you get? They say, How much for boats? Say two five. How much for five? They say, no, We are buying do. And then they say, to say, Where were you? Where have been? Man of God, where have you been? Your ministry has been a blessing to us. Jesus said, I know why you are looking after me. He said, Because you had bread. He said, No, we have decided to join this church. <laughs> Jesus now said, Okay, let's get into the word. I'm the bread from heaven. Started teaching them. Started discipling them. And they say, Ah, this man wants us to eat his flesh. Say, I'm out of here. <laughs> say, Are you still in this church? Say, This is a cult. <laughs> and then they left. The multitude left. And then you would think Jesus would say, Okay, Peter, just stay. They don't understand me. Peter also gave them, Jesus also gave them an opportunity. Are you also here? And Peter said, To whom shall we go? For you have the word of truth. What will make the average believer in our church withstand temptation outside is the fact that they know the word of truth. That is discipleship. That is the great... Are you hearing? That is the great commission. It's not putting church sticker and stealing money. That's the great commission. You know, I wrote something yesterday and then somebody replied on Facebook. I didn't even bother because, you know, sometimes some people just... And I wrote something. I said, listen, the favor that came to Joseph's life cannot be separated from the consecration Joseph had. Eh? The person now said, eh, if you say that, favor, favor is unmerited, grace is unmerited, this thing. If he had to do that, is it still favor? No. Go and sleep with people's wife and become prime minister. That one is favor for you, Abby. Don't have consecration. You like favor. You don't like consecration because you don't want to earn anything. And we don't understand the definition of grace. We don't understand grace. Right? We don't understand grace. Because to us, the concept of Christianity we are promoting now is don't do anything. Don't just, just chill. Hmm? Do what you want. Live the way you want. Don't even be concerned about the great commission. Don't be concerned about souls. Just, just leave. Just catch fun. Your sins today, forever, next, forever is forgiven. Fantastic. Well done. If you were the only believer in this world, would God have a hope that the world would be saved? If you were the one God was counting on to further the great commission, would God relax and say, hey, I got my son there? You see, there's a thing about getting saved and just being nominal Christian. Can, you know, you can be a carnal Christian. The carnal Christian is not separate from the world. It's just that he's born again. So he's saved, but he's carnal. Paul says, I speak to you as carnal. You know, the word carnal is from the word canaan. Meat, actually. Carnal means meathead. Hmm? Fleshy. If God wants to get a job done, he can't use a carnal believer. Because he minds the things of the flesh. Full of strive and and so there's a purpose. We must see, see, see Christianity beyond just your comfort. Why were you made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? So you can be bound to take the message of reconciliation to the world. So you can take the life of God and the grace of God and this message to suffering humanity. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. They went out everywhere preaching the word. 
Luke 24. I just want to read how every one of them documented this. Luke 24, verse 19. Was it Luke we just read, right? Are we done Luke? Okay, we did Mark. All right. Luke 24, 19. 